It's a dog-eat-dog world out there, especially on the lofty plateaus of Ethiopia. But some puppers put their personal proclivities aside to lend a helping paw. But why? Find out what makes these good boys so good on this episode of Life, Death, and Taxonomy. Welcome to Life, Death, and Taxonomy, your 30 minutes of interesting animal info. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. And today we're talking about a mammal. Our first one was not a mammal. Hooray! So second one is a mammal. Fa- mammals are my favorite uh, whatever they are. Um, Animals? Uh, class? Class. 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 Yes. <laughs> I like... Animals um, are my favorite class. I'm... I like our first uh, animal, Cephalopoda. Those are just crazy animals. They're just—they are insane. But you know, I—they're I, just—but they're not very endearing. Uh, yeah, I connect <laughs> with my fellow mammals. With your fellow mammalias. Um. So, which animal? Which an- mammal are we tackling on this fine day? Well, I'm asking you. You're asking me. Can the Ethiopian oh. wolf <laughs> change its fur color? Yes, because when they're young, they have black fur and when they grow up they have different colored fur oh it doesn't but not on purpose not on purpose (laughs) (laughs) we're talking about the ethiopian wolf did bet you didn't know there was a wolf in ethiopia i bet you didn't know there was ethiopia (laughs) i bet you most people know that some people don't know that yeah i bet you didn't you didn't know that there was a any wolves in africa at all most of them are in europe and asia and north america yep my favorite place. <laughs> All right, let's talk about what's this guy look like. Canis. What's his name? Semensis. I mean, it's also he's also called the uh, Abyssinian wolf, which I think is an awesome name. Um, the red jackal, which is a misnomer because he's not a jackal, and uh, the kubero, which sounds like cubone. That sounds adorable. Kubero. The kubero. Oh, Stanley, put me back in. Stanley Kubero. <laughs> <laughs> Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> Thanks for your mediocre science fiction films. Ooh, snap. Oh, snap. Um, but we're not talking about the Coop. We're talking about the Kubro. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's from Kingdom Animalia, Phylum Chordata, course. Uh, class Mammalia, order Carnivora, family Canidae, genus Canis, and species Simensis. So the other things in the Canis category besides wolves are dogs, jackals, um, not hyenas, not hyenas, not um, not foxes, vulpine. Yeah, they're from genus Vulpus. Vulpus. Vulpus or something. Yeah, mostly wolves and dogs, and then there are like two species of jackals and are coyotes. Jackals in they're the Canis. Vul- oh, okay, wow. Canis, yeah, but they're kind of their own thing. Wolves and dogs are very closely related. I mean, they can interbreed without problems. Mm-hmm. Where you can't do that with jackals. Um, speaking of foxes, the I think this guy kind of looks like a fox. I think so too. A big one in terms of <laughs> coloration and whatnot. It's like a reddish brown coat. Big? How big? Um, forty pounds and three feet. Three feet long. Okay, that's a decent. So it's like, like a, for a dog size. Yeah. Medium-sized dog. Mm-hmm. It so it looks similar to a like a, a big fox or a jackal, but it's it's actually a wolf because it's the size of a coyote. 
which is pretty big. Yeah, and it looks similar to a coyote, too, in terms of the facial structure. I just thought the coyotes look almost exactly like wolves. They're longer. I don't know. Fluffier wolves. Fluffy? No. I feel like, um, like Siberian wolves and... The biggest wolf is the North American gray wolf. That, that those can be pretty fluffy. Sure, because they live in cold place, Alaska, and the Yukon. Cornelius, the greatest prospector in the north. <laughs> so there's they live in the Bale Mountains of Ethiopia, southeastern Euro- Ethiopia, um, which is cool because they're like Bale wolves. Bale wolves. <laughs> Bale wolves. <laughs> um, there's they're they're super endangered. There's only like four hundred of them left. Um, and this Why is do you think that is? Because A, they only hunt pretty much one kind of animal, and B, encroaching human territory squabbles, and people thinking that they're dangerous to their livestock, and so they kill them on the spot. Because like, oh look, there's a wolf, and it's going to kill all of my investment livestock, and I'm, so I'm just going to sh- shoot but it. But they right? don't. But yeah, they're, they don't hunt large animals. They should. But they're trying to like get have, their numbers up. <laughs> they, get that at the end of the quarter, no, get their quarterly numbers up. They, no, but they're that's bad PR. Then the de- Ethiopians are definitely going to shoot them. Actually, in the Bale Mountains, the Ethiopians pretty much know like, hey, these guys are not a threat to our livestock. But elsewhere, the African wolf, I think it's called. Af- yeah, the African wolf, which lives all over northern Africa from Morocco to Tanzania. Those things kill livestock. They hunt in packs and will bring down larger prey. And so someone sees an Ethiopian wolf and says, I see wolf, I shoot wolf. Okay. So that's why there's so few of them. And also their habitat is going away. They live in like, on like these plains that Higher. are, that are, yeah, like 3,000 meters above the... higher plane of existence, yeah, they're, <laughs> they're on the Asgardian plane. <laughs> so what makes these guys so unique from other wolf, coyote, and jackal species? Do you want me to go straight into the, the good stuff? Uh, well, oh, fine, we'll talk about their prey. We could talk about symbiosis. Symbiosis with baboons. Baboons and other animals, too. But go ahead. But here's a strange thing, and I feel like this contributes to the fact that they're dwindling numbers. Is Or maybe not. Um, they have this symbiosis with baboon herds, but I, they're not called herds. Congress. A so Congress of baboons? It really is a Congress of baboons. Okay. No, so, yes, it's a Congress of baboons and a Parliament of Owls. So they don't live near them. They don't live among them, of course. Uh, but when they roll into town, the baboons, the bab, no, the, the coyotes, the, or the, <laughs> the Ethiopian wolf, they, the baboons are like, Hey pals, no big deal here. We're not scared of you. Just like the knowing Ethiopian farmer should right. be. Um, this goes out to you all Ethiopian farmers who are not yet on the bandwagon of Ethiopian wolf conservation. <laughs> um, get on board, yeah. little children. Get on board, <laughs> little children. Uh, so they they come in and they don't hunt the baboon. They don't hunt young baboons, as you might expect a wolf to behave. They, baboons are fierce. I if I was a, a a solitary hunter wolf, I would not go close to two baboons, let true. alone like a pack okay. of them. Or that, a is that what you're like fishing for? They are solitary hunters, and that's different than. Typical wolves who hunt in pack and take down larger prey together. Yeah, they they kill these small rodents instead of like mole, mole rats types, big type headed things. mole rats, or big, the primary. Yeah, and they look 
Just like that sounds. A big-headed well, mole. They look like a really long gopher guinea pig thing. Yeah. They have the big two front teeth and stuff like that. Probably whistle when they talk. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they 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 roll into town, Baboon City, and they just go, go forth and uh, eat rats. More rats. But why would... Why would hanging out with baboons mean more rats? Well, there's a couple uh, reasons. One is that just the baboons going about their daily business uh, disturb the the ground so that the rats scurry out of them and try to get away from the baboon noise. And that drives them into the wolves' that, that uh, expecting counter, jaws. Sounds counter-evolutionary for those rats. Well, it's... You think that, like, oh, we built this huge honeycomb network of of tunnels there's something above us that's big let's stay down here well they're they're going through the honeycomb network and sometimes they go up and into different holes i don't know they're not very smart apparently i imagine and then another thing is they they assume another explanation is they think that the rats are like they know about the baboons they're okay with the baboons so they just come up and like eat bugs and whatever they do on the surface with the baboons there and out of the corner of their eye wolf looks like baboon they don't care right so the wolf can apparently like their haul for the day will double when it's among the baboons wow i heard so they also do that same. i heard they do the same thing with um cattle if there are cattle grazing over like this area where the rats live underneath the rats will hear the cattle and go up and see what it is. And they're like, oh, it's just cows. Like, we don't mm-hmm. have a problem with cows. And so, you know, in the shelter of these massive animals, they'll just come out and start frolicking or whatever. Mole rats big headed naked. No, they're not naked mole rats. But big-headed mole rats do. And then the jackals are just hanging out between the legs of the, the cattle and just snap them up. So maybe good PR is the reason they only hunt one thing. <laughs> well, like good PR with humans or good PR animals. with animals. So they they roll into town, whether it be baboon town or cattle town. Cattle town. Uh, <laughs> Don't worry, man. It's cattle town. <laughs> they they just uh, the animal host knows that they're not a threat, so they don't run away. So that allows them to trick these rats into coming out. Yeah. So there's the symbiosis. But it's not true symbiosis cause, because the baboons don't benefit from this. Except for they don't get killed by wolves. But like I said, I feel like if you were to pit a baboon, an angry baboon against an Ethiopian wolf, I put my money on the baboon. Uh, not necessarily. Well, they don't get killed by... A, f- a full-grown baboon. They don't have their babies taken by baboon, uh, right. wolves. Because that's... Have you, have you seen Tarzan? Those things are nuts. They, <laughs> well, these aren't those exact baboons, but yeah. They're not? No. They're not like the blue-butted baboons? <laughs> no, no. Not with, like the blue, the colorful face yeah. thing. No, oh, these are different baboons? Yeah. They they look smaller. Oh, okay. Never mind. I was thinking of like... They're the all bab- brown. The the Asambasana squash banana baboons. No, not that <laughs> one. But yeah, so hunting this one... I I saw uh, a, a guy was talking about seeing one of these Ethiopian wolves uh, hunt... 
and then he he miss he pounces on one of the mole rats and the mole rat gets away into its hole and then it just loses its temper and starts digging away at the hole. Oh yeah. Not knowing that the mole rat is long gone. There's no way he's ever going to dig to that. Yeah, they do get they show like signs of frustration and and it's funny. Which is like if temper tantrums. If I was a polar bear and I had waited 6 months to catch this narwhal. Oh, they do that too. I, I would definitely be upset. They but, do that you know, too. If, I'm just, if I just miss my one meal, I just have to go over here and try again <laughs> as an Ethiopian wolf. That's true. Wolf. Yeah, there's just like, it's like whack-a-mole. They're all over the place. Right. So it's like, but I imagine they have to eat several moles a day. Mm-hmm. In, or they're not moles. They're mole rats. They're, yeah. more, they're more rats. Even though we'll have to do one on moles. Especially that star-nosed one. Yeah. That one's crazy. They're... Pack size also depends on the availability of these moles and other whatever else they eat. I wonder how big a pack usually gets. 20. 20. It can, the highest is normally like 20. So there's only 20 packs oh, wait, of wait, these wolves. Wait, how many packs there are or how many are in a pack? There are 400 wolves living oh, in the world yeah. right now. So there's no. 20, each pack is 20 It guys. can range anywhere from two, just a pair to 20. Okay. And when food is really scarce, they'll go down to a pair. It doesn't really seem to benefit them to be in packs. No, because they are solitary hunters. And, I guess we can get into it, they have one breeding female and one breeding male in a pack. And then what do the others do? They hunt. (laughs) Nothing. Well, they do provide for young. All of them. So we can talk about this. It's It's... Something called, and I'm not sure if it is, it seems like biological altruism. And in biology, altruism is like basically what it means in regular life. Doing something for someone else that benefits you in no way. Okay. So in the animal kingdom, that means providing food or, you know, caring for young. That that doesn't mean your survival and it doesn't mean your reproduction. Or your... Genetic materials survival. Right. Yeah, so basically in the animal kingdom, number one goal most of the time is... To survive long survive. enough to make yeah. more of you. To su- the survival of the species. And first, my survival, and then second, survival of the species. I feel like... In su- some cases, it's survival of the species, reproduction first. Yeah, well, and, and survival becomes just a, a byproduct of that. It's like, well, I can't reproduce if I'm dead, so I need to keep myself alive. True. until. And a lot of animals will die as soon as they uh, mate. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's all about, it's like flies. It's yeah. like all they all they need to do is mate, and then they're dead, and reproduction is... And in a lot of species, like lions, for instance, they will kill members of their own species to preserve their own line. They'll also kill their <clears throat> own cubs. Yeah, that's silliness. Well, that's because he wants to be king. Uh, the, if the yeah, that's true. The leader of the pride. He just can't wait. To he be just king. can't wait. <laughs> so he'll so kill then males. Mufasa should have killed Simba. Well, Scar did. Like he, be, luckily Scar was there to, to save, save Simba. Simba from Mufasa. <laughs> Scar's the good guy. Mufasa's the bad guy. If these were real lions. Well, no, Mufasa would then turn and try to kill Simba anyway. Scar would not have been alive. Mufasa would have killed Scar, because Scar is a would have been a. No, they'll a, they'll drive him out. They'll be bachelor colonies. Oh, yeah, we can they, talk about lions. Another yeah, we'll time. talk about lions later. Um, <laughs> so basically, there's a, breed, a breeding pair, and then most of the time children. So you'll have like a 
a pack of full-grown wolves, but most of them are kin. So the, the females will only ever mate with the breeding male or a male from another pack. In order to not interbreed. Right. So, so the other members of the pack will still hunt and provide and protect cubs that are not their own cubs. Okay. So pups, that's re- pups that, that seems really pups. rare. Yeah, it's typically pretty rare, and that's why I'm thinking it's altruism. But th- it could be the fact that if they just go on a breeding fen- frenzy, they won't be able to go on a feeding frenzy. Also, wait, no. That's, <laughs> <laughs> if they just start... That sounds cute. They, they, they seem to have a knowledge of the fact that... There's limited food supply? No, that they can't breed with their own family members. I think that's instinct and innate in most animals. Yeah, so inbreeding causes genetic defects, so they usually try to breed with other because, packs. Uh, and instead. also, it also tends to cause infertility. Inbreeding and crossbreeding tends to cause infertility, so they, I think they instinctively know that somehow, and then they're just like, nope. Um, yeah, so they don't do that, but after two years, a female will leave the pack and become a floater, quote-unquote, or join another pack. And that behavior helps to preserve or to avoid inbreeding. Okay. Because there's a good chance that that female is the breeding female's daughter or something like that. So is it altruism or is it just, I don't have an opportunity to breed right now because that's my brother and that's my father. So why would they take care of these kids, of the cubs? Family bond. And I guess I mean you see that in like chimpanzees, but you don't really see that in wolves. Well, that's what they're talking about. This, like they don't need to necessarily be together because they hunt on their own. And females after two years can survive on their own. They they leave the pack. Um, but if there are a lot of kids, if this breeding female has like huge litters that with a high success rate of uh, infant survival, then they need the pack to take care of these th- this litter. Because if there's only two of them, how can they... And she has, like, a litter of nine puppies every... I don't know how often they... Uh, I think it takes, like, six months. The gesticulation... Not gesticulation. Gestation. The gesticulation period. <laughs> the period where they're, like, moving their hands and stuff all out. <laughs> uh, no, the gestation period is, like, six months. So, technically, every six months they could have another litter of puppies. And so if you have a lot of wolves, then those puppies have a... A lot of wolves taking care of the puppies... They're not. They're not puppies. They're cubs, mm-hmm. wolf cubs. They're pups. Pups. Yeah. The, if then there's a high six, success rate for their survival. I guess I feel like if there were twenty pups and two adults, then some of them would be eaten or die of starvation. Yeah, that's probably. But that's that's why they can't go on breeding frenzies. So, because <laughs> there's not enough mole rat to go around. So maybe. They would also have to. They they don't just eat the mole rats, but they mostly eat animals that are very similar to it. There's like yeah. a, a hare that lives there, and then some other small rodents and stuff like that. If they if they hunted as a pack, just like they live in a pack, then they would probably they would be more targeted by Ethiopian hunters and stuff, or and just by farmers. But they'd also probably be able to expand outward and not just live in the Bale Mountains of southeastern Ethiopia. True. See, that's what. So that's my question. Why don't they eat? Because it's. I don't know. It's it's survival of the fittest. This they will eventually die out unless they can adapt. Truth. So they 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 need to leave and find another food source, or their habitat's going to be destroyed by humans, 
and they're going to die. That's just how things work now that humans are expanding into new places. Now that they are, as of recently. Well, I mean, <laughs> in the last several thousand years where animals used to not have to deal with that. <laughs> well, you had anything else? Um, nothing else besides the fact that there is an Oxford University wolf conservation program with an E at the end of program. Ooh. So <laughs> that sounds like something I want to be a part of. <laughs> uh, yeah. So stop killing the wolves, please. Yeah. And they also interbreed with dogs. They do? Yeah. The wolves, they can, they can, they can breed with dogs. And so that dilutes their genetic their their genes and so they eventually stop becoming wolves and start becoming dogs like wild dogs no no Feral dogs uh, domesticated dogs that's got to be a weird like you're a farmer you're you're sitting there and then all of a sudden like your your dog has puppies and they're like they don't behave well <laughs> <laughs> um i don't know how they would behave well, it depends on how who they take after more typically huskies that breed with wolves in north america they're the half breeds have behavioral issues like they're more aggressive because they're part wolf well i mean all dogs are part wolf they all a came small from part yeah yeah they're not half wolf <laughs> no they're not half wolf my jack russell terrier chihuahua thing is not half wolf <laughs> although it thinks he thinks he is <laughs> so that pretty much wraps it up uh this is a really unique example of what we think is actual altruism, mm-hmm. which makes Ethiopian wolves better than humans. That's not true. I feel like <laughs> humans do altruistic things all the time. No, I mean, like, it's... We could get into a philosophical thing about it, but t- it always benefits you somehow, even if it's like, oh, I'll take, I'll do this for you because it, it'll make me feel better about myself or something I like don't that. think that's always the case. No, it's people not always. sacrifice their lives But for it's other not people. like a part of our civilization, like a, like a, why we're, like why we function. This is a huge part of the Ethiopian wolf's I suppose. Uh, hierarchy and civilization. Civilization. <laughs> <laughs> um, their, their, um, their behavior is naturally altruism, which is not ours. Ours is naturally selfish. Now, to be clear, I didn't find this on a list of like animals that display altruistic behavior i just know what altruism is i've i read about that and then i saw like that this kind of seems to fit that bill so well i wonder what other animals would fall into that category definitely not lions nope (laughs) so um there are birds birds that will adopt adopt and take care of other uh i've seen that before penguins there's like a horse that that adopted a goat or something like that that's weird and they just raise the goat as though it were a f- its own f- foal or whatever. Um, I think there's it's sometimes motherhood instinct will overshadow the instinct to reproduce your own business. Penguins who lose their chicks and chicks who lose their mothers will sometimes come together. So like orphaned chicks will be adopted by mothers who whose chicks die, and sometimes they'll fight over. Who gets to who adopt. gets to adopt the chick and kill the chick in the process? <laughs> That's horrible. Yeah, it is. is this in March of the Penguins? No, this was in. I saw this in. Uh, I think Planet Earth. This is where we get a, a lot of our ideas are from Planet Earth and Planet life. Earth BBC stuff. Yeah, That's it's really good. Nat, Nat Geo Wild. Yeah, watch Planet Earth. Watch Life. Those are all great shows. Yeah, they and are. It's pretty much. We we want to make these shows 
in audio form for you. Only without David Attenborough's voice. Sultry tones. <laughs> the Ethiopian wolf is not monogamous. <laughs> I always like when David Attenborough uh, is like talking about a prey species and then like, and then he'll be like, there's a rat. No, no, he'll be like, <laughs> he'll be like, but there's trouble in the bush. Wolves. <laughs> like, he sounds incredibly concerned. <laughs> like, like if he was, if he was delivering a report yeah. to the prey. <laughs> yeah. Wolves. <laughs> <laughs> then he faints because he's been running 16 miles to de- deliver the information. Yeah, that's what he does. So are we near the 30-minute mark? We sure are. All right, so s- signing off, there's nothing certain except life, death, and taxonomy. You're still here? Well, this week's episode is over. Carlos already left. I'm just sitting here listening to the sounds of Pongo Pygmaeus rubbing its legs together. Anyway, this week's episode is over, but if you're looking for more podcasts, why don't you head over to your local podcasting app? iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, whatever you got. And subscribe. Just type in Life, Death, and Taxonomy into the search bar for more interesting animal info. Besides, Pongo Pygmaeus is a kind of orangutan. I was just kidding earlier. If you thought it was a cricket, you definitely need to be listening to more LDT. Wait, did you hear that? Oh, okay, so that is an orangutan. Uh, I'm out of here. Uh, see you in the next video.